Hello. Hello. We've been talking just casually about careers and jobs and leveling up, and I thought that this would be a good thing for us to record. Sounds good. So, thank you everyone for listening to Four People Podcast. My name is Me. My name is Jackie. And today we're going to continue talking about what we're talking about earlier, which is our careers or oh. lack of having a good one. <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's debatable. <laughs> I was just asking you, was it about the luck that we have and the luck that we get in our in our various career paths and our friends and people moving at different speeds because of a bunch of different variables around them? Um, you're giving your own personal example. Do you want to start talking about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I majored in neurobiology and history in college, um, and that has nothing to do with what I'm doing now. <laughs> so already from the beginning, it was kind of a weird, rocky start, right? So I started out working for a tech company as kind of an operations person, an operations associate, I guess. I tried to level up to get into some kind of lead position and gain more responsibilities. But the manager I had, she wasn't naturally a a person that was naturally inclined to become a manager, I think. So she didn't really know how to support me to grow in this role. Also debatable in ways because, you know, she also helped this other person that I personally feel was not as qualified, um, not just compared to me, but compared to seniors on the team. He ended up getting a lead position, I think, somewhere like a, under a year, um, which annoyed me and the rest of the department. <laughs> but, you know, like things like that. So I ended up moving on to a different company and then I spent a lot of time there had a hard time leveling up there as well. Um, I gained a lot more responsibilities, but my title didn't really reflect that. So it made it hard to go on to other positions because, you know, usually when a recruiter scans through resumes, sometimes they're looking at titles and keywords. Uh, keywords sometimes are there, but if the title isn't there, it's depending on who and which company you're talking mm -hmm. to, they might not view you as seriously if your title isn't there. So made it pretty difficult. I feel like I kind of, I want to say jumped around a little bit because my career path hasn't been very straightforward. It hasn't been a straight line of like support slash operations to, you know, some kind of lead to some kind of management role to some kind of like head of support or operations. Yeah. I've gone from operations to fraud operations, fraud analyst kind of stuff. And now I'm doing data analysis which is great i like looking at data data whatever um, you've been uh even if your roles changed you were traditionally still an individual contributor right like you, you never really jumped yeah. into the lead or a managerial position yeah and i don't think that's due to lack of skill in terms of being able to manage people i think i mean this might sound kind of come off of a bit little pompous but honestly I feel like I have the skills of a natural leader like I, I feel like when it comes to being on teams people that are newer to the team um, tend to gravitate towards me when it comes yeah. to asking questions like hey 
Um, how do I do this? How do mm -hmm. I do that? And, you know, they, they kind of, maybe because I'm just a friendly face, um, which is, you know, fine. Like, I'm happy to help people, but it's hard to see yourself being pretty good at something and then not having other people recognize that and having people pay you for that kind of yeah. um, experience and knowledge. Yeah. I mean, a lot of thoughts come into mind. One being that your your level and your experience, depending on what track you're on, an, an IC individual contributor or a managerial track, they're they're like lateral, right? Like they're sort mm -hmm. of parallel. It just depends on um, what what you're actually doing in the company. So, mm -hmm. it, it sounds like well, what was my other thought? My other thought was whoever was managing you sort of overlooked several times like your skills that you're doing, and. Mm -hmm. It's true. Like if, if you have teammates coming to you or people across um, different teams coming to you for advice or seeking to resolve some bug or something um, or to handle some issue, it, it means you have the expertise to solve said problem and you're reliable. So yeah, and the, the thing that I think is frustrating is a lot of the times when you want to level up and you want to do these things, you realize that you can't level up in the current company that you're in, a lot of the times the next step is to move on to a different company that can offer you more growth, right? The problem is when you're applying for some of these managerial positions, there's some lead positions, a lot of them will ask you to have prior experience. Yeah. Yep. And then it becomes a catch-22 of like, well, my current company won't give me the opportunity um, for formal experience. Yep. And the new company won't give me the opportunity because I don't have prior experience. So at that point, you're like, well, how do I do this? <laughs> yeah, for, for that type of position or situation, rather, it's, it would be like an internal thing, like you get promoted internally, I guess, for you, you're talking about switching tracks, right? Going from an IC to a manager? Yeah, yeah, I, I think just even not even like any big manager position, even just having a senior title. So for my personal experience, what I was frustrated about was not even having a senior title like within the position and then being able to move on to a lead position of some sort. Yeah. It was just kind of like, no, you're going to stay at that, you know, associate level forever. <laughs> you know, some companies have frameworks for how they structure different levels of skill. Like you're a, I'm going to do engineering, like you're an engineer level one or an engineer level two. And then maybe at engineer level three, that's when you become senior. Um, and then there's like a more senior version of senior engineer level four. And then level five would be like lead and then level six would be like staff. But usually there's a criteria for every single one mm -hmm. for roles and, you know, what the responsibilities are. And that's usually what you work with your manager on moving you to the next level. But, th but that's, you know, this implies that your company has a structure like that. Yeah. And the, the people... Uh, operations sort of not necessarily forced like they just have a, a procedure for doing these reviews you know annually if that's what it is so, yeah yeah and yeah. I think that's that's part of the problem and I suppose the unfortunate luck I've had um in in my career thus far I think previous companies I've worked for like I enjoyed working for them and I have no regrets working for them because I feel like I gained a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge but I think one of the things I, I don't want to say regret because it's not so much a regret as much as a lack of experience and lack of understanding what I needed to do to be able to level up in my career. It's just a matter of not knowing what, what questions to ask, yeah. what to expect. Yeah. 
And and like you said, like having a track of like, what do I need to do to get to the next level? And that's something I never really learned um, in college or otherwise. I didn't have any kind of mentor to tell me those kind of things. So it it's been kind of a kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. Kind of like, what's going on? Again, it, it totally depends on the employer and whether or not they have a structure like that. And not just that, but it also depends on whether or not your manager cares to look up these things for you. Like they should be mm-hmm. aware of making sure that you're growing in your career as well. And if yeah. there is no structure for that officially, internally, like they should still figure out ways to help you grow. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that at least would make a better manager than a not great one, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And the funny thing is I, I have had managers that I think are really great in terms of being motivating and being very supportive in terms of career growth. But unfortunately, the two the two managers I can think of that were really supportive and, and very just very encouraging when it comes to career growth, they left within a year of working with the separate companies. Um, but like both of them that I've, I've worked with in different companies, they left pretty quickly. So there wasn't really any chance to continue my uh, career growth, which was unfortunate. So this is bad luck, honestly. Yeah. How about you? How, cause I know you've worked for a lot of startups. How, yeah. how has that affected your career growth? Um, uh, I have one example very specifically about like when I knew I really wanted something, um, I wanted a title change uh, and I didn't get it. I waited like six months. I kept pinging the VP of Eng, like, hey, I, I, I want, I need this change because I'm, I'm doing and taking these responsibilities and leading a team. Mm-hmm. Yet, I don't have this in my title. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll look into it. And he didn't do anything about it. So I, I quit. I <laughs> uh, found a new job. I got a title upgrade for my, my next job because that's what I wanted. And mm-hmm. so that is funny because the day I told him that I'm, I'm leaving, he's like, um, okay, I'll get back to you tomorrow. I'm like, you don't understand. This is not a negotiation. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll get back to you tomorrow. And I'm like, what? So so I left and came back, you know, the next day uh, during work. And he's like, okay, I, I got you um, a title change and then like a slight pay raise. I'm like, you needed to do this six months ago, you know? Like, that's that's brave me. Yeah. Like, I feel like if someone, I feel like I'm a, a wuss when it comes to negotiation. Hopefully none of my future employers just listen to what I just said. <laughs> no, it's but true it's- though. Like there's a certain level of respect that you have to get from your your employer and your boss. If they don't give it to you, it's fair to leave, you know? It's totally fair for yeah. you to leave. <laughs> Completely. So I feel like as someone that's in their 30s now, I understand that now. But, you know, in my early 20s and my mid 20s, I feel like I was just so terrified and just afraid of it's honestly thinking back now, like, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But thinking back when I was in those positions, it's I feel like I was always so afraid of not having a job instead of understanding it's fine, just find a new job. It's not like you don't have yeah. skills. You have skills. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just talking about negotiation, like I'm terrified of negotiating for no yeah. reason other than like, I already got the job. Like, am I going to risk my chances of, of like, getting retracted because I'm asking for more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember sometimes when, when you talk about, when you tell us about your um oh gosh <laughs> negotiation stuff you're like oh my god I just emailed so and so and told I them this is what I want <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, honestly, it's scary. And I feel like, especially for young women growing up and trying to launch their careers, I feel like we're not taught that enough. No, yeah, I was just gonna to go back even more like the way I was raised, like I don't negotiate. <laughs> I just accept yeah. things for what they are, even if they're yeah, shitty, exactly. you know, it's what being silenced means. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm not sure if that's something with I feel like this might be something that's common within the Asian American community too. I feel like a lot of the times it's the idea of, oh, keep your head down, don't rock the boat. If you deserve something and you've earned it, you will receive it. And I think that's something that I Yeah, that's definitely not the case in terms of how my career went. Yeah. I yeah, I've same. always had to fight for the next position, the next role, the next title. Yeah, I agree. I but, same yeah. same with me. Whether it's through like either hard work or like something big happened at work and I was recognized for it. It was that was out of my power, you know? Yeah. And I think that's also something I mean I think part of that is is the Asian American experience, but I think that's something that is also common with women in tech specifically. I've spoken to a lot of other women in tech, you know, going to those meetups and stuff where I remember hearing talks from women that are directors and VPs and heads of whatever departments they were running. They would always tell you like, hey, you know those accomplishments that you've done? You need to talk about them. If your manager is not going to be the one to tell people at your company that you've done these great things, you should talk about them. And you shouldn't feel that you are being boastful or over the top by mentioning them. Because when it comes to men, they talk about their accomplishments all the time. And people are like, oh, that's a great job. You know? <laughs> and people don't give them shit for that kind of thing. And women need to learn to become better advocates for themselves. And I think that's especially true in tech, especially if you don't have yeah. a manager. I mean, there's, uh, I think the, the process at Google is all about self-advocating. Like you don't get promoted unless you get, you ask, I don't know how many is like five colleagues for letters of recommendation. That That's how oh, wow. it is. Oh, I'm not like either for or against that. I'm just saying like, for me personally, like self-advocating is scary. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not used to it. I'm with you, man. It's not my like, I, zone. Yeah, for sure. It's something sometimes when I'll have those moments of, oh God, where what am I doing with my life? I'm 31 and you know trying to figure stuff out, and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and Taryn, uh, my boyfriend, will will say things like, "Hey, you realize that you've accomplished quite a bit, right?" And then he'll list off things, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, like you've worked pretty hard." And then I'll hear what he says. And it'll kind of sink in and you're like, wait, I did do a lot of things. I'm not complete failure at life. <laughs> and it's it's funny because it's it's those things that, I don't know, I kind of brush them off as small things, things that aren't really accomplishments. But if you really think about them in the grand scheme of things, they are decent accomplishments. Um, and it's it's hard to recognize them sometimes, I think. Do you see yourself switching tracks? Like, do you want to be an IC forever? Or do you think that you'd like to manage teams manage people's careers? I think I want to stay in IC for a little bit more time um, just because, I mean, I guess it depends. It depends on where my career takes me in terms of what my focus is going to be on. I think I'd like to be moving towards the managerial track if it has to do with operations or it has to do with fraud, um, fraud operations, fraud analysis stuff. I think 
I would like to move in that direction if that's where I'm going. In terms of just dealing with data, doing data analysis and everything, I'm still relatively new um, to the whole thing because this is technically my first data analysis, like pure data analysis role where I'm dealing with a lot of different teams and looking at a lot of different data instead of just specializing in fraud because I have a lot of experience in fraud. But with data in general, there's so much to know. I still am pretty shitty with Python. So <laughs> like I kind of know it, but you know, it's like with more complicated stuff, I'm obviously going to need a bunch of help. So I feel like until I'm comfortable with those skills, it's going to take me a while to ramp up and understand enough to make me feel comfortable to be able to, I think, manage and mentor people. But if it's fraud, happy to do it now. Someone hire me. <laughs> How about you? You you just recently switched, right, from just a, an individual contributor position to something a little bit more managey. Yeah, I got um, promoted to lead. I don't, it's not really a promotion. Again, like it's a, it was a lateral move. So a, a lead basically is a combination of doing IC work and managing a team. And I've always wanted to see what it's like to manage a team, but I didn't fully want to give up contributing either. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I technically got what I wanted, but it, it could just be the position that I'm in right now uh, with the current state of the organization that I'm at. We're doing a lot of like redefining processes and um, getting teams together in a new format. So a lot of it had been planning and I haven't been able to contribute as much. So I, I feel like I'm failing at that part, the IC part. Mm. <laughs> um, there was a VP, not VP, a director of Eng that just left our company. And I sat with her for an hour just talking about how to do things <laughs> mm. and uh, asked for her input on, because our organization was flat, meaning like there was no like reporting structure. I asked mm. her like, if we did eventually introduce a reporting structure, um, like what does she think is a good balance of, uh, like individual contributors per manager? Um, mm. and if that manager happens to be contributing as well, like what, what does that look like? And I think she said something like, if it's just a peer manager, like between, what was it like six to eight maybe, or six to 10, I forget. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Th- then that's fine. But if you're doing both, maybe four individual contributors, then you'd still be able to like do like 60% contributing and like 40% managing or something like that. Like that's a lot of numbers. But of course, I think every situation is different for me right now. I feel like I'm doing 90% planning and like 10% contributing, which is not mm-hmm. a lot of contributing. <laughs> There's still some contributing at least. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I want to, I want it to be more like 50, 50. Hopefully we'll get mm-hmm. there at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, yeah, I, I've, I've done a lot more planning the last month than I have in my entire career. I mean, I guess that's good because it means you're getting more experience in doing that. Um, and it's it seems like you're in a unique situation right now where you're able to, you got the, the position title, right? So you have that and now you can be able to grow your skills in that. Yeah. I'm I'm fine. It's, I'm finally doing it in like an official capacity, not just yeah. the we're going to, you know, you're going to be we're doing overworked. these things and we're going to be underpaying you. Um Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I also 
yeah, working closely with the CEO, I'm, I'm planning a bunch of these things and um, cross teams a lot too. Like this is really different, but it's, it's an experience learning a lot. Yeah. So in terms of how your career path has gone and how I suppose you wish it could have gone, what are the differences and what would you advise to, I guess, younger me if you had to do it again? Um, I didn't switch my job too much. Like I'm still mostly a front-end engineer mm-hmm. pretty much the entire way. Well, I, I guess full stack, like occasionally here and there, but primarily doing front-end stuff. I guess I would tell younger me to not be afraid to ask for more, not just mm-hmm. like, um, you know, salary-wise, but like title-wise as well. Mm-hmm. And work with my manager uh, much better at improving my skills or ask for projects that are a little bit more difficult. I've mo- mm-hmm. A lot of times, I think, younger in my career, in the earlier stages, I was just doing what I was told to do. Mm-hmm. But a lot of growing is um, not just doing what you're told to do, but doing a little bit more. The doing what you're told to do, was that because you weren't sure you could ask for more? Or what? what do you think caused you to just do, just like you need to do tasks one, two, and three, like, why didn't you ask for four? Was it because you're busy or because I, I mean, like, I feel like you're a pretty motivated person. So I can't imagine you going like, I'm just going to do these three things and just chill. <laughs> I, I never had the opportunity to just chill, though. I think, you know, as yeah. you're as I'm getting more uh, tickets or like jobs or things to do in my basket, like my my manager would keep filling it more. So like I always had a queue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I never really controlled like what got to go in my queue. Okay, yeah. so you think you would tell younger me to ask for more variety of things to do? Yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. not just m- more variety, but have like more decision making. Um, okay, involved. That makes sense because that's that's when um, you start to grow. Like when you start having to figure out things and flex your brain in different ways. That's, yeah, that's when you grow. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm trying to think of how we could apply this to people that don't work in tech. Cause I imagine like some of our listeners are people that work in tech, yeah. but a lot of people I think it's the same though, right? Like in order to grow in your career, you don't just accept what comes on your plate. You got to be creative and grow, not just horizontally, but mm-hmm. I say vertically, like depth, add depth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I'm trying to think yeah, and I think the thing I'm trying to think of is is how, I guess, how do we succinctly and concisely encapsulate how people can do this um, in, in their own careers? Right? How, how do you ask for more? How do you know what to look for, I guess? Yeah, um, when you're starting off, I'm, I'm just going to put the building blocks together. When you're starting off, you have yourself, you're most likely going to be an individual contributor. Like you're the, mm-hmm. the cog in the machine, right? And mm-hmm. your your boss or whatever project manager thing that you have at your employer is or has, it, they're, they're going to be assigning you things. I think one of the things you can do to level yourself up more is to, okay, one, for sure, you're going to have to do these tickets. But two, like start finding things that you can improve that are outside of these tickets. Mm-hmm. Start finding things that don't work well, point them out and if possible, or within your capacity, like find a solution to the problem. That's going to make you stand out. That's going to make people uh, recognize you as a person and what you can do. And 
you know, they'll find more projects to put you on. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like that's how I ended up growing in my career in terms of what I was supposed to do and what I ended up doing. Um, I technically am, so I'm a data analyst now, but my background, my educational background and my first job had nothing to do with analytics at all. I only got the analytics job, honestly, because I was constantly curious about like, how much money are the fraudsters stealing from our company? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, like I would ask questions and I would ask the data analysts at the job that I was at and like, hey, how's this happening? Like, how can I look at these numbers? You know, and I'd be curious about that. Um, And I don't ask me why the manager, the first manager at that job that I had wasn't really tracking that super well. Um, I suspect because he didn't know how, but just shade thrown. Um, But... (laughs) I, you know, I was constantly curious about that kind of stuff. And I eventually, that's how I ended up getting into fraud and eventually into just data analysis as a whole, just because, you know, data analysis versus fraud analysis, one is just more specialized. Yeah. But um, yeah, I definitely was just like, so how do I figure this out? That's funny. I guess your growth came from curiosity. <laughs> yeah, I ask a lot of questions in general. And usually if something's happening a specific way and it's not, there's not an obvious answer. I'll usually ask why and then I'll try to figure it out, which is good. It's been good in terms of helping me move through my career. But um, I mean, I guess that's to your point, what you were saying earlier is when it comes to wanting to improve and to grow in your career, you can always have to ask questions. You're going to always have to look for more and search for more. And for me, my motivation was just curiosity. Yeah. I'm thinking back now what mine is and honestly a lot of it had to do with me saying like this sucks or this is annoying or like this is garbage (laughs) and like me fixing it or me improving it or me like asking why it's done the way it's done (laughs) it's because out of annoyance I needed to improve it like this is awful this is garbage (laughs) (laughs) why is it done this way um because when you start answering or asking those types of questions like why is it done this way not only are you gaining insight to the history of of what that thing is um but also you can start poking around at gaining more insight on how it could be better and those two together can really like improve something yeah that makes sense and i think that generally if we generalize all of it it can apply to a lot of different careers yeah. so hopefully someone finds this helpful. Yeah. <laughs> does it suck are you curious <laughs> yeah because you can, i mean you can apply that to like if you're working for like an ngo right when you, if you're in dc or something uh, why is the government run a certain way <laughs> or what, why is this law in the books a specific way? Figure out why yeah. and then figure out what senators you can lobby to and yep. then you know, that kind of thing. So, Hey, it works. I think what, dri- what drives both the annoyance and the curiosity is I would say passion. Like you care about it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is true. You just got to find what I... you care about and then be curious and be annoyed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. And I think that's something that um, I try to tell younger kids that I run into, like in judo or like different sports and stuff, or like my friends' kids, <laughs> um, when they when they ask questions about like what's going on with your life. Um, well, they don't ask me that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, generally, a, a lot of the times they'll ask what they should go to school for. What like they have passions about certain things and it, especially if you're Asian, you're told to either get a PhD, you're an engineer or you're a doctor, usually one of those three. So the problem 
sometimes with that kind of thinking is that there are people that take that really literally and try to, you know, please their parents without realizing without realizing that the person that has to live that life is you (laughs) and you have to have, I mean, you don't have to have that career for decades, but that's the idea is usually you'll have that career that you start off on for decades and it's difficult to move back and forth. It's possible, but difficult. Mm -hmm. So generally you want to study and do things that you are passionate about, things that you are curious about, things you want to know more about and things you are obsessed with essentially like if you if your passion is music and you like how like if you listen to Broadway musical songs you like to see all the nuances of like oh this note represents this and all of those things but you're you know your mom is telling you to become a doctor you'd probably be a pretty bad doctor because you're not passionate about those things you do exactly what the book says instead of being able to push the boundaries and looking at things and, you know, oh, these symptoms are slightly different from what the book says, but it's very similar to this. So actually let's test it for this. And that's where you get the really great doctors from, right? Like if someone is curious about learning all these things and keeping up to date with the most recent and latest research, they'll probably be a better doctor than someone that was told by their parents to become a doctor kind of thing instead of pursuing Broadway or whatever it is they're passionate about. You're uh... Your, your talk reminded me of a meme where it's like my parents made me uh, play piano for basically my whole life until they realized that I wanted to study it and become a professional pianist. They're like, what? Why? <laughs> Be a doctor. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, kind of, it, it's definitely kind of funny because there's that stereotype that all Asian parents have their kids play either the piano or the violin. I used to laugh at that all the time and think like, oh, I'm not part of that until I realize I play the violin. <laughs> so like, wait a minute, I fit into that stereotype. You, My mom didn't make me, but I mean, it was, yeah, I just thought it was funny. Yeah. I mean, just going back to what you're saying, there's definitely a difference between like doing something just because that's what you do versus doing something because of what you love. Some people, the only thing they know how to do after they graduate university is to do more school. So they go to grad school. And get that PhD. PhD. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not a bad thing if you don't know what you want to do. Like, like the schools don't teach you what you like. Um, mm-hmm. There's, there's like I no agree. course on like where I learn what I should be doing mm-hmm. for my career <laughs> or what my passion is. I guess that's the whole point of like taking GEs maybe. Yeah. I think that's the ideal is when you take GEs, you're supposed to figure out what you know. But the the problem with that, though, is you when you apply for college, you're expected to select a major. There are some majors that are more difficult to get in uh, versus others. So that, I think, is already a problem is like instead of being accepted to go to college for specific things, like the first two years honestly should be an exploration or even just the first year exploration. Like, oh, I think I want to do these things. And then, yeah, I mean, I guess it's easy to change your major. Yeah. Well, you don't have to properly declare until your second year at at least the UC system. Um, Yeah. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Like you, you pre-declare a major when you're filling out applications um, mm-hmm. I don't know what's like for other universities. I assume it's the same, but I could be totally wrong. I think it was because I remember applying to um, different private universities and stuff, and I declared that I wanted to be in bio or like neurobio and stuff. Um, so there's that. <laughs> we beat this career 
talk to a pope. <laughs> Any last words you want to say about your career?、Uh, about my career. Oh yeah, what would you tell you, young Jackie? I would tell young Jackie that she doesn't have to become a doctor <laughs> <laughs> because it wouldn't have worked out.、Um, but also, I think young me was so focused on keeping up appearances with people I don't necessarily care about. <laughs> I know this sounds really mean, but so you know, growing up in an Asian family, there's always the you need to be super successful, you know, so your your mom can talk to your aunties and be like, my daughter, my son is a bragging rights, yeah, a doctor has a PhD, you know, like that kind of thing.、Um, I was really concerned about that. <laughs> Kind of a goody two shoes, so I kind of just wanted to make my mom happy.、Yeah. But I think ultimately, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from my friend Wendy. I was telling her that I didn't want to work at the hospital and I didn't want to become a doctor, but I was having a crisis because I thought that's what I was going to do my entire life. Up until that point where I had that realization, I had kind of a crisis of like, oh god, what is my life? And she told me. People that are going to judge you will judge you regardless of what you choose to do. It's just essentially the short of it is haters gonna hate.、Right? So if you are the person that's living your life, you pick whatever thing you're interested and you're passionate about. And I think that's something I would tell younger me as well as just younger people in general. Is study the things that you are passionate about. It, you don't have to go to college if you don't want to go to college. You can go to trade school, technical school, whatever it is. But be passionate about what you want to do. You don't have to know exactly what your passion is right away, but be curious and put yourself into it.、Yeah. Don't do things half-assed. Kind of put your all into it. If you decide that you hate it. Then you know, right? And at least you know younger when you're younger. Instead of ten years down the line, you're just like, I hate this. This sucks. Yeah. So throw yourself into that passion. It's hard to find your passion. Yeah. Because well, to be honest, like I, I, I didn't like my computer science classes. <laughs> <laughs> I hated them, but it's it's what I do.、Um, but and also like I know people that switch careers multiple times, like three times. And they're they're doing great. I'm one of them. Yeah. So like it's it's fine if you like don't know what your passion is and it takes you a long time. You just have to be be softer in yourself. Like don't beat yourself up. Like again, like just going back to I don't know if we said it in this episode, but earlier I I said that a lot of what people would determine success in life it really comes from a, a journey of whether or not you had good luck. Yeah.、And、there's a lot of variables that determine that. So it's it's not. It's not all about you. <laughs> It's all the stuff that happens around you too. So yeah, be softer on yourself, and whenever it happens, you'll land on your feet. Yeah, and I think something to keep in mind too is when you are passionate about something, find the things that you can do as a career. Because you know you could be very passionate about something,、um, and maybe there's no career path. Maybe think about creating your own career path, but definitely find something. That will allow you to essentially make a living. I, I know there is always those pie in the sky ideas of like, oh, I really want to do this, but to some extent, you will have to inject some realism into that to make sure that、yeah. that's something that's possible that you can make money and live off of. Yeah, one hundred percent that. But I also want to say, as someone with a career right now, I wish I continued drawing as much as I did when I was a teenager, just like on the、mm. side, like having、mm-hmm. your side. Side stuff. I do it occasionally. I just need to spend a lot more time doing it. Like 
they haven't as much. Don't give up hobbies or anything either. Yeah, hobbies <laughs> are important. I people have told me I should go into uh, like the culinary arts and do cooking and stuff. I love cooking, but I think I would die if I had. To. <laughs> so don't give up on your hobbies. Yeah. Your hobby, and that's another thing. Like, you sort of define who you are too. Yeah, your hobbies don't necessarily need to become your career either. Because yeah. some people yeah. will love something, but realize that if they did it for their career, they'd hate it. So yeah. that's something to think about as well. Yep. Cool. Oh, one last piece of advice. You know when people say that if you love what you do, you won't have to work a day in your life? I think that's complete bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you can love something, but it will. St- a job is a job is a job. You can love what you're doing, but it's still going to be a job. It's work is work is work. If you love something and you do it, as a job and you find that you have frustrations with it, yeah. don't just give it up just because you're like, oh, this feels like work. You're going to have days where you're resentful or frustrated and there's still going to be the, well, I don't know, the logistical part of it where there's paychecks mm-hmm. involved and there's hourly things and you're held accountable for certain things. That's work. That's that's a job. You're, you're going to have to spend time doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's, that's a good set of advice to leave to our listeners. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you guys find that helpful. Well, thank you all. Thank you all for listening. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye.